This is the Darkest Page Podcast. Awake now to the real world, she panted. A man stood by the window. She jumped in the chair but recognised him. Ah, I didn't want to wake you. Sarah thought about answering but the man spoke before she could respond. I'm Austin. You must be Isabel's girl, Sarah. She nodded. You're Jack's father. Austin smiled at her and the nightmare faded for a few moments. But then, so did the smile. It's been a long time since I saw you, Sarah. I never expected to see you again, really. Especially here, of all places. Austin rolled his eyes as he talked about the mansion. I don't remember meeting me. I'm not surprised. You were very young at the time and lots of things were going on. Sarah nodded, not wanting to go into any details. The door opened. Father? Austin looked at his son stood in the doorway. Sarah felt ice in the air between them frost over her skin. Austin nodded. Jack. Jack cocked his head downward and looked at Mia, poking her head around him. This is my daughter. Austin smiled. Mia, you've grown. Jack folded his arms. That's what happens. I'm surprised you remember her. Look, I'm about as excited to be here as you. So let's just get through the next few days, what do you say? Jack walked towards him and held out his hand. Let's see. Austin examined Jack's hand and then looked back up at him before gripping it. The two men nodded. Jack sat down. Mia, let's look at these books, find something to read. Mia went to the back of the room and examined the string of books along the shelves, avoiding everyone. Austin glided across the room towards the hallway. I need some air. Sarah stood as he passed her, wanting to say something but resisted until Austin was out of the room. Mia watched out the corner of her eye at her dad and Sarah, still pretending to look across the book spines. Jack. Don't. Not now. Sarah stayed silent. Mia stayed silent. And Jack lost himself in thought. The dining room was as grand as the living room. The candles flickered across the tabletops. The fire roared at the far end with the wall lights turned to a subtle dimness casting just enough light for the guests to see everything in front of them. The evening sun was sinking behind the line of trees around the perimeter of the mansion. 
Jack sat opposite Sarah at one end of the table, Mia at its foot. Next to him sat Nancy opposite Isabel. Next to Isabel was Austin opposite an empty chair and the empty head of the table. No one spoke or even looked at each other. Strewn across the table were plates, glasses and cutlery ready and waiting to be filled with the food that they could all smell. Jack lifted his glass, filled with a white wine that was way too sweet for his liking, but he took a sip nonetheless. Mia watched everyone and drank the juice she had been given in place of the wine. Sarah kept smiling out the corner of her mouth at her, which Jack had noticed and appreciated. He began to believe that bringing Mia here was not such a good idea, but soon they would have to make a call to her mother to let her know that she was alright. The door from the Great Hall opened. Maria Cole strolled in and sat down opposite Austin. Behind her, an old man hobbled along, leaning on his walking stick. Jack guessed that this was the infamous Alistair Redman, his great-uncle who had gathered them all here for the reading of his late brother's will. The arrival of the architect of these events did not stir any vocal response. Alistair sat at the head of the table and looked across the candelabra at Mia. Jack's heart stopped, his face drained of blood. He did not like the look he fired at his daughter across the table, but he could not place why he did not like it. Alistair slowly glanced around each and every one of them in silence. The door to the kitchen opened and Anthony rolled in a trolley, filled with plates of steaming hot food, and distributed it to each of the guests. Jack hoped that his meal was as tasty as it looked and smelled. He took another sip of wine to help quench his thirst. This table felt like it was one where etiquette would prevail, so he waited until everyone had food in front of them, and it seemed his family were in agreement for once. Thank you, Anthony. Are you heading off now? said Alistair. Yes, sir, back in the morning at the usual time. Alistair nodded and began to tuck into his meal. Everyone followed suit and Jack was relieved to find out that it was as delicious as it looked. Well, I'm glad that you are all able to make it. My brother would have been proud, said Alistair between mouthfuls. His voice was sharp and resonated with a surprising tonality. Nancy drank her wine. Are we going to pretend to be one big happy family? Isabel had not started eating but had happily downed her wine and silence fell over the table once again. Jack knew he had made a big mistake bringing Mia here now, but there was little he could do. Miss Cole, when is the reading? he asked. Maria looked down the table at him. Tomorrow evening. Then why do we have to stay after that? Alistair interrupted. It was my brother's request. I'm sure that it will become clear in the will itself. He looked across to Mia, who flared her eyes for a moment at him before he looked back at Alistair and Maria. We need to use the phone after dinner to call Mia's mother, let her know that we're okay. Alistair and Maria swapped glances before Maria looked at Mia and Jack with a cold smile. Of course. Jack felt that it was not okay, but there was little the others could do, and the meal continued in more silence. A silence that pulsated with every passing moment. Nothing but the sound of the crackling fire and clatter of knives and forks filled the old mansion. The tension would break if there was no release soon. Jack knew his family well enough to know that. He started to eat faster. 
Tell me, Mia. Have you found a book to read yet? Mia looked at Jack. Alistair? Jack asked. Your daughter was looking at the books earlier. I understand that the lack of internet is a problem. It was only natural that your daughter would seek out something else. Maria told me you were looking at the books. We have a fine collection. So, did anything take your fancy? Mia toyed with her food and her answer. No, sir. Alistair fired one of his cold smiles at her again. Please, don't call me sir. How old are you? Eleven. Alistair nodded and took a swig of his wine. Perhaps you would like a book on the local history, about this house and the lighthouse. We were going to see the lighthouse tomorrow. That could be useful, thank you. Jack nodded at Mia. Isabel burped and drank more wine. Sarah tried to ignore it as much as Jack was ignoring his silent father and the scoffs that Nancy made whilst they spoke. Jack had never met Alistair and had nothing against him. However, everyone else here he would rather lose at sea than sit around a table with, no matter how good the food was. I will get it for you after your call. Alistair's voice trailed off as he downed more food. The silence carried on for the rest of the meal, between Alistair trying more conversation, but few took the bait. Nancy scoffed at the comments about the old mansion and how much it had not changed, and Isabel slowly got drunk. He and Mia stayed quiet. Mia through shyness, Jack knew, but his own silence was through choice, not wanting to poke the dead husk that was his family. Alistair laid his knife and fork down on his plate and leaned on the table. Well, that was a grand meal and interesting company. You will all excuse me. I think I will be retiring. I will see you all tomorrow. Please, leave the dishes. The housekeepers will deal with them in the morning. Nancy leaned back. Why don't they stay? Alistair was already leaning on his walking stick. I've never asked. Good night, everyone. He hobbled from the room in the same manner as he had entered. Jack looked past Nancy as she scoffed again. Miss Cole, the phone? Maria stood. In the hallway. Mia! Jack and Mia stopped halfway through the hall, heading towards the phone near the front doors. Alistair stood in the lounge doorway, holding a leather-bound red book in his free hand. Jack brushed Mia's shoulder, but not really wanting her to get too close. Mia took the book. I hope you find it interesting. I'm sure she will. We both will. Alistair nodded and vanished into the living room. Dad, history? He's being nice. So far the only one except Sarah. The line crackled and buzzed. Jack listened to the broken ringing trying to come up with the answers to questions he knew Amanda would be piling onto him about what they were doing, why the phone was not working, and perhaps where they were. The last was the foremost on his mind. He watched Mia as she flipped through the book. The ringing stopped and for a moment there was silence before Amanda's broken voice crackled through the phone. Hello? Hello Amanda, it's Jack. How are you doing? Fine, how is Mia? The phone crackled again. What was that? Where are you calling from? The line isn't great. We're both good. I'll put Mia on. Jack handed the phone to Mia and took the book to free her up and started to flick through it himself. The old photos showed the mansion, with so little to have changed. 
He half listened at the call. It sounded like Amanda was pressing her to find out what they'd been up to. Jack smiled as Mia described a planned trip out tomorrow, but that she didn't know where it was and it was going to be a surprise. Mia kept asking Amanda to repeat herself, the phone line no doubt dropping out again. Jack stopped on a double-page spread picture of the mansion, a photo taken in 1947, just around the time that Sebastian had purchased the place. It looked rough, smashed windows, boarded up doors, crumbling walls. He looked at the trio of people who stood near the front door. He was sure Sebastian was one of them, with a woman who he could only guess was Sebastian's wife. It reminded him of his mum. Mia said bye and offered the phone back to Jack. She wants to speak to you, Dad. Jack's heart sank. They swapped the book and phone. He took a big breath and held it to his ear, the crackling deafening him, as then Amanda's voice joining in. Are you with your family? Jack had not been prepared for the direct question and he stuttered. Jack? Sorry, Amanda. I can't hear you. Jack, if I find out you have... Mia to that awful place to people call a family I will make it your life Jack stayed quiet until he realised that Amanda had hung up Jack smiled at Mia and put the phone down without hysterics come on let's go and sit and have a look if we can find anything about the lighthouse in there pair walked into the lounge. Jack, half expected to see Alistair in there, sat at the fire smoking a cigar with a glass of brandy, but it was not to be. He flicked the lights on and the room was bathed in a gentle orange from the wall lights. But it stayed cold. Mia sat on the sofa with her book and folded her legs under her. Jack looked at the fire. Do you think I can manage to light this thing? Nope, I bet you can't. Oh really? Well here goes. Jack knelt down while Mia meandered her way through her history book. He built up the coal a little better than it had been along the grate, then looked around to what he knew was called a tinderbox, but had no idea what it might look like. Along the side, with a poker brush and shovel stand, was a small box. Jack opened it, and inside were small clumps of fluff and wrapped up newspaper and a flint and steel. A tinderbox. Jack put the tinder under the coal and looked at his creation, the unlit fire. A sense of pride filled him, but he needed to see if he could keep it alight first. The house burnt down, Mia said. Really? Yeah, it says the locals burnt it down not long after it was built. If they were like they are now, I'm not surprised. Mia lost herself in thoughts about the woman she encountered at the train station. Jack saw the thoughts as if they were illuminated by the fire he was yet to light. He toyed with the flint and steel. Does it say who built this place, then? Mia flicked a few pages back through the book. Abner. Abner. Mia ran her finger, sounding out a surname. Jack stood up and looked over her shoulder. Hayington. I wonder if there's a painting of him somewhere on these walls. 
Mia looked up at her dad and watched him glide back to the fireplace. Not if it all burnt down. I think he might have died in the fire. Jack flicked the flint across the steel. Sparks flew and hit the tinder and died without igniting. I think his whole family died. Jack struck the steel again. Nothing happened. Must have been a big family for such a big house. Mia shook her head. Wife, son and daughter. No one else. Only three of them. Why did he build such a big house? Mia flicked her eyebrows and shook her head. Maybe they hoped for more kids? It was as good an explanation as any, and still the fire remained dead. Jack shook his head and looked at his daughter, curled up on the sofa with her book, and no phone in hand. I don't think I can get this thing lit. Mia looked over the book at him. Told you so. Yeah, I guess you did. You win. It's been a long day. Why don't we go to our rooms? Get some sleep. I'm sure we can find our way to the lighthouse in the morning. Mia took her phone out of her pocket and looked at the dead internet and no signal. Jack saw the look of disappointment on her face. There was little she could do about it, and even less that Jack could. Darkness spread through the house, encasing all within. There was not one person, save for Alistair Redman, who was glad to be in their own room, alone, with nothing but the still night air for company. Nancy splashed water from her basin over her face and glared at herself in the mirror. She had wanted to corner Alistair, talk about the so-called list he held as a leash to drag her here, better away from the others. She dried herself and meandered back to the bedroom. Her lights were dim, the curtains drawn and doors closed, and yet she was still sure the full-length heavy curtains moved in the draught. She sat on the end of the bed and felt the breeze across the wooden floor. She leaned back and sighed the idiocy of it all. Sleep overcame her as she wrapped herself into the soft duvet, but the night was not restful or refreshing. The howl of the dog outside woke her, only a little at first. In the darkness she saw nothing, but the dog howled again. She hadn't turned the lights off. The realisation shot her awake and bolt upright as the dog howled for a third time, somewhere outside in the grounds no less. The breeze through the room coiled around her shoulders as she scanned the dim light. She almost heard the voice carrying strange words. She shook her head and stood up, eye ever on the fluttering curtains across the bay windows overlooking where the dog must have howled outside. The curtains fluttered again, and then stopped. Nancy froze, expecting someone to jump out from behind them. But nothing happened. Even the breeze stopped with the foul voice it carried. Nancy shook her head and stormed towards the curtains, flinging them open as if to catch a prankster behind them. All she saw was darkness outside, in the grounds of the mansion. She smirked at herself and jumped as the dog howled again, loud enough to make the panes rattle, and certain she saw a pattern of breath breathe across the glass. She stepped back, her reflection moved further in the frame, and there behind her the shape of a man appeared, about eight inches taller and over her shoulder. 
Nancy let out a whelp at the sight of him, spun around and darted away towards her bed. Nancy looked around panting, but there was nothing but empty room. Struggling to catch her breath, she looked under the bed in the ensuite bathroom, but all of it was empty. Marching back with her head in her hands, confusion and fatigue overtook her as the adrenaline started to subside. Her mouth felt horrid. She needed a cigarette, but the thought of going down and outside was beyond her motivation in the middle of the night. At least the dog had stopped howling. She stopped by the window, pushed up a cigarette, and lit it, blowing the smoke out into the cold air, rubbing her forehead between each drag. It must have been her. Isabel. Somehow she had done this to get at her. She flicked the cigarette out of the window, grabbed her dressing gown and stormed from the room down the corridor. Isabel! Nancy didn't care much about who she woke with her shouting. She stopped outside Isabel's door and pounded on it. Isabel, get out here now! She stopped pounding and her senses started to come back to her. She looked up and down the corridor, surprised that no one had come out to investigate the noise. Still, if she were in her room alone, then she would not investigate with her family either. Isabel, stay out of my room, you hear me? Nancy marched back down the corridor, brushing the bedraggled hair out of her eyes. She slammed the bedroom door closed. No thought to the others or the noise that echoed through the entire still house. The wind blew through the open window. The curtain fluttered. The smell of wet dog filled it. But she was alone. That bitch. She slammed the window shut and closed the curtains. Yet the wet dog smell persisted. She crawled back into bed, ignoring it and the gathering wind battering the windows. Isabel had been in here. She knew it. She would catch her at it. She would get her own back. Isabel stood next to her door. She listened to Nancy calling her name and banging on it. She ignored everything. She had no idea what Nancy was babbling on about. She remembered when they were kids how Nancy would get her into trouble, even go so far as to make things up to get her mum and dad to shout at her while she watched from around the corner, giggling. She could not be sure, but she thought she heard Nancy giving up. Not that she ever really gave up. Her head pounded. She needed a drink. On her table next to her window sat the bottle she had been sucking on all night. Always a blessing when you couldn't sleep. She swigged it straight from the bottle. The taste was meaningless. The effect was all that mattered. The smell of alcohol, possibly brandy, filled her nose. It didn't matter. She swallowed another mouthful and heard the floorboards creaking outside her door again. Nancy was back. Isabel stayed still and listened and watched. The door did not move, but the handle was tried. But the door was locked leaving the would-be intruder to do nothing but return the knob steadily back to its resting position. A billowing of smoke puffed under the door, and as Isabel put the bottle of brandy down, it dawned on her that something was wrong. Another billow of smoke blew under the door. The smell of wood on fire filled her nose. Isabel, ignoring any attempt at stealth, darted for the door, but it would not give. She heard the fire on the other side, people calling to their muffled but there. She fought with the keys, eyes stinging as more smoke blew through the door crack. The lock clicked. The knob still wouldn't turn. Someone held it closed. She hammered. It was Nancy. No one else would do this. 
She was trying to kill her. Isabel called for help, banging on the door as smoke filled her room faster. She threw her weight at the door, which gave immediately. She fell through into the corridor at Sarah's feet. She scrambled up, calling fire, but there was none. The smoke and the smell were gone. She looked at her daughter. Sarah, did you? You're drunk. Go to sleep. Sarah marched away. Isabel watched her and looked around the dark corridor. Nothing had happened. Inside her room, her lips found the bottle of brandy again. The darkness beckoned. She could hear the voice as the brandy worked its sedative magic. The voice speaking the words on the wind outside that she could not understand. And despite trying to remember the sounds, she forgot as she lost consciousness. The bottle fell to the floor with a thud and rolled under her bed, spewing what little was left. Sarah shook her head as she closed her bedroom door. Her mother had embarrassed her so much in her life, and now here, with her family, she continued. Someone knocked on her door. She turned, stopped herself from opening it, and leaned against it. Who is it? It's me, said Jack. Sarah sighed with relief, and opened the door. Jack wandered in, fully dressed, and waited until the door was closed to speak. Are you all right? Sarah rubbed her head and smiled again. Yeah. It was just my mother. Jack moved towards and held her arms in his firm hands. We should tell her. Sarah glared at him. Tell her what? I know it's been difficult, but we should. It's the right thing to do. Jack brushed the loose hair from her forehead that dangled in front of her eyes. Jack? But tonight we just have ourselves, and we shouldn't worry about it. Jack leaned forward and Sarah pulled back and broke her arms free of him. Jack, what are you? Jack lunged at her. She fell back against the wall with a quiet yelp and looked up at an empty room. The door was closed. The window was closed. Someone knocked on her locked door. Sarah, are you okay? It was Jack. She stood up and opened it. Jack watched her in his pyjamas and dressing gown. Sarah looked up and down the corridor and chuckled to herself and nodded. I think I must have still been dreaming. I thought you were already in here. Jack tried to look at her, but she avoided his gaze. I know, I know. I'm just tired. A scream from Mia's room interrupted them. Jack darted from the doorway with Sarah in tow. Mia crashed into Jack, running from her room. Jack grabbed her shoulders. What is it? Are you okay? Mia looked behind her into the darkness, lit only by a slight moonlight shining through the half-closed curtains. She looked back at her dad tears down her face, struggling to catch her breath. Mia, it's okay. Just take a deep breath. What happened? Mia slowed her breathing and gripped her dad's arms tight and collapsed her head onto his chest. Sarah looked past them into her room. She, she was here. Who? The woman from the train station. Sarah slid past him into the room and looked in the shadows. Jack gripped Mia tighter and looked over her head. It was just a dream. Sarah looked back at them from within the room. I won't be so sure. Something weird is going on here. What do you mean? I saw something in my room too. Don't scare her. 
Sarah stroked the back of Mia's head. Where did you see her? The window. Jack looked at the semi-illuminated window. There is no one there. It's okay. Sarah wandered through the dark patches of the room and stood by that very same window. And indeed, there was no one. It was just a dream. I don't want to sleep here tonight. Jack still held her and felt her shaking under his grip. Sarah saw the lack of him knowing what to do or say as she walked back. Why don't we all stay in one room tonight? Jack smiled at her suggestion and pulled Mia away from him to look at her pale face. What do you say? Bit of a slumber party? Maybe we can all go and raid the kitchen first, see what's down there. Mia nodded and forced a smile through her tears. The kitchen raid was a tradition that Jack remembered from his own younger years. There were few things so bad as to not warrant sneaking into the kitchen in the middle of the night to fill the void he had within himself. Looking back he knew that it was not the best way to deal with everything, but it worked out, and it would again. At least this time, Mia was with her family. The food hidden in the cupboard, nooks and crannies was not amazing, but it did the job and before long they were carrying the best biscuits they could find with milk up to Jack's room where Jack watched Mia and Sarah fall reluctantly asleep. He could not help but wonder if it had been a dream. He knew that given the choice after the will reading tomorrow, he would leave with Mia and encourage Sarah to do the same. Soon sleep overtook him before he could wonder on it much longer. Thank you for listening to the Darkest Page podcast. This episode was made possible by the support of the librarians of the Darkest Page, Alex Smith and Tonks. To see how you can support the Darkest Page podcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash the darkest page. I have been your host, and I wish you pleasant dreams.